Welcome back to Revelation On Demand Podcast, a podcast dedicated to bringing you revelation from the Bible. I'm your host, Justin D. Myers, and I'm joined today, as usual, by Mr. Chris Hess. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm feeling dedicated, very dedicated to our cause today. Yeah, why is that? Well, um, well, I woke up a couple days ago and I realized, you know, I needed to start building a better future for myself and for those around me. And, I, you know, it's just been a, a revelation in a way that um, there was a lot I could accomplish in just two days. And I'm making milestones and all that. And it's going to help out this show as well. And I'm really excited for it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, while you're having all that financial success, my house is uh, hit by some sort of sickness. So we're once again sick, and I don't think we got any better over this entire week of just kind of trying to relax and rest. But I think it might we might need another week yet. So oh, oh man, I that's what you. we're dealing with. Yeah. What? What we went over last time was Daniel 11, and that was, oh, right, something else. Where are we going from here? Because this is the last episode for Daniel. So I'm, I'm thinking maybe. <laughs> you tell me, boss. Idea. Yeah, right, right. I tell you. Yeah, well, I'm waiting for instructions from up from higher up the chain, you know. Um. Anyways, I was thinking Isaiah or maybe even Amos. Amos might be a, a small enough book that would, would be something we could do. And there's a lot of links that I've seen in my study so far that might make Amos a prophetic book. So I think that might be something I, I'm checking into. But I've got two weeks to do it, hey. so I tend to wait. <laughs> Right, yeah, uh, which is a, a gift and a curse all at once to have procrastinationism. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, just making a decision right now for myself, or at least my uh, my vote is that we would go on to Amos and then cover Isaiah because of the fact that we could do a quick study on the next mm. book, and then we'll settle into the, uh, another big book like the one we a just long did haul. today. <laughs> Well, Isaiah is even longer, so. Right, yeah, or a bigger we'll be, book. It will be in Isaiah for years if we don't start just choosing chapters out of it. So we might do that when we go to Isaiah instead of just, you know, chapter by chapter. We might just skip through the chapters that are most important, so. Yeah, other than the side story episodes. Yeah, well. This is a great place where our listeners could have a voice and be like, hey, I really want to hear uh, episode by episode on Isaiah. And we'll be like, okay, we'll be in Isaiah at this pace for two years, but that's fine. If that's what the public <laughs> wants, that's what the public gets. <laughs> yes, it is what the public deserves. Is yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's some smaller chapters we can combine to. So well, that's what I was kind of starting we, to think. Yeah, we, since we do fit into that that hour hour ish podcast length, I figured that probably that would be an all right thing to do too. So there's there's options on the table, is what I'm saying. We we're not quite we're not even close to being done with all the prophetic and uh, end times scripture. So very and well. Of course, we have the extra biblical stuff we could study too. So, 
exactly. Uh, yeah. So last episode we were on Daniel twelve or not twelve. We're on twelve today. Anyways, uh, Daniel eleven. Last we episode being about. this episode. What were we talking about? Slash going to talk about? Yeah. It was uh, all about how he was giving a more detailed account of the prophecies we had heard before. And we took that time in that episode, a long time, to uh, connect it to the points in history soon there at, well, soon, 400 years after Daniel had made these prophecies. So we got to see Daniel talk about the prophecy. We remind you of the prophecy, you know, that we went over. And then we said, hey, this is something that happened in history that looks a lot like what happened, what Daniel was prophesying. So. Exactly. Yeah. Through that. Those real world connections, which is, you know, what it's all about. Yeah. And then through that, we realized that prophecy can be a great defense for, you know, whenever you're dealing with doubts or stuff like that. So. And then today we are going to wrap up chapter 12 with a nice, fairly short chapter. Uh, I did manage to dig up quite a bit on it still, even though it's only 13 verses. So we still have plenty to talk about. But this is the, the penultimate chapter in Daniel. And it kind of wraps everything up in a nice neat bow. So, yes, sir. And, and um, go ahead. No, you go first. Ah, okay. And I say, and it ends on a note of hope for all those who are persecuted. So it's something, so we can take something from it still today. So, oh, very well. Even though, even though maybe, you know, us in the first world countries aren't facing near the prosecution that the people would be at this time, uh, we, there's still something we can get from it today. So, well, in third world countries, say. a lot of people are yeah. prosecuted and persecuted all the time for their faith, and uh, Christians are no exception. In fact, they take up the vast majority of that. Mm. Yeah. Well, and I'm all sorry. Right. If there's a lot of sniffing. I'm still sick, so that might be yep. something you hear. <laughs> You, shall you read scripture, or are we going to do our back and forth stuff? Uh, we'll do a little bit of back and forth. I, I think I can cover the scripture for today. Because okay. we only got 13 verses. Yeah, like I said. Alrighty, let's do this. At that time, Mikhail, or Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress, such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. Such as, that's a tongue twister, such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. 
I'll repeat that line. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the end of time, or time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. So, right off the bat, we're seeing uh, our friend, the angel, the archangel Michael, who, as we've known before, is the patron angel of Israel. So, we see him talking to to Daniel is still. So, as we said before, 10, 11, and 12 are all part of the same general vision and whatnot so this this is just the archangel michael continuing with his conversation so this, right because yeah. he woke up um daniel after he was visualizing all this stuff right he was just sort of chilling there in the room yeah or something like yeah. that yeah 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 and, and and this is where he says now you gotta go seal it up until it's time, time to be in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is also the right at the beginning here, uh, talking about the, he who protects his people. We, we seen him talking about coming to protect or coming to see Daniel. He was sent to see Daniel and, uh, having issues with that. And so this is also possibly referring to the time of the end is Antiochus's reign. Uh, right. We'll see a little bit. Uh, we've talked about this again several times where this could be talking about Antiochus specifically or just generally talking about the Antichrist. So here we're going to see at the very end where the two versions kind of come back together into one one prophecy again. So uh, this is kind of the end of the disharmony between those two uh, potential interpretations so right in the hebrew verses two and three allude heavily to isaiah 53 which talks about a suffering servant figure is resurrected in the relationship with god and these allusions are talking very much about uh israel not necessarily just christ though it can be talking about that as well where Israel will be resurrected back into a good relationship with God. So it's not necessarily, yeah, it's not necessarily just talking about like, Oh, the Messiah, Messiah. In fact, it never says Messiah, it just says suffering servant, which we know can be a title that uh, applies to Jesus. But in this case, it also is talking about the nation as a whole. And as we've seen many times in the Old Testament with the yo-yo relationship that Israel has with God. So this this is a pretty safe thing to be saying that they will fall away and come back at some point. Sup, Israel? Oh, God. Yeah. Then we see some resurrected to eternal life and others resurrected to internal contempt. Uh, this would be a good a good point for anyone who wants to defend eternal punishment view on the doctrines of hell. Uh, this would be a pretty good point to make stand. It's not very big, so it's not like it's a substantial, well, this is how it works sort of 
uh, sort of point, but it is a, a cumulative point you can use. I've, since the beginning of this, changed my mind. I, I can see how eternal punishment and the annihilationism are possibly supported by Scripture. I still don't see universalism, and in, in, we've gone over this before, but there's three right. basic doctrines of hell. There's the, the eternal punishment, which is the standard, you burn in hell forever if you go to hell. There's annihilation, which is you burn in hell until you've served your time and then you get annihilated. And there's universalism, which you serve your time in hell until you're resurrected back into heaven. So, right. Uh, I, I see, I don't see universalism supported. I do see how the arguments for annihilationism in eternal suffering are supported. And I, I can see, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure on which one's correct. So, that's. I'm. I'm stepping back from that one, and since that's not a core doctrine that we need to divide over, I don't feel like it's something that should cause issues. But I know there's some people who feel very strongly about the doctrines on hell. So, yes, I just like to make that my my position clear, especially with our listeners. <laughs> right, and I. When it comes to the debate on hell, I, I think it's just good practice not to be condemning other people to hell because ultimately you're not making that decision for them at the end of the day. So, I mean, right. it's just trying to lay back from being as judgmental as possible towards individuals that might have different opposing views, like you said, i.e. Uh, universalism. Mm. And instead of like, applying the logic that or like a too stretched of logic where you could say, Oh, they're going to hell because they don't believe the same thing as me, which is annihilationism or, you know, et cetera. You know, I think it's just good practice for us as Christians to not put ourselves in the place of like, you can believe whatever you want to believe. And you know, what is evident from the Bible? Just don't, don't become an overbearing force for someone especially on the lines of hell. Yeah. No, that can be that can be a real uh, thing that ends up pushing people away just in in general. And again, like I said, it's not something we should be divided on. It's not a, a core doctrine, it's a secondary doctrine. So, that's true. It's not it's not something we will stand firmly on. Not as firmly as we stand on on the freedom of choice, <laughs> which is I mean, another can of worms. I don't think we should get into. <laughs> I don't think we should get into the freedom of choice because I could choose to believe that we just sort of are sitting on an iceberg on the lake of hell and that we're both going to melt <laughs> into it for even thinking that way. But I'm going to agree a little bit. <laughs> oh, are you, are you a little reformed? Are we? <laughs> We've had this debate the audience just. For the uh, I know. Oh my gosh. I know. So anyways, leaders who would turn many to righteousness are mentioned here. And and if you can remember back to when we studied Revelation, it was a mention of the, the fourteen or sorry, hundred and forty four thousand. This this group of people who were leaders and and bringing more people about at the end time, this could be a reference back to that. I, I see a link there where it's talking about these leaders who lead others to righteousness. And again, mm-hmm. that 
that 144,000 is a group of people who were special leaders who, who brought more people into Christ during the end times. So I could see, I could see this as being a reference to something like that. Uh, especially when we're talking already about Israel and it being brought back into relationship with God. I could see that being that connect. Cause we, I think when we went over it, we were, we were kind of convinced that that those 144,000 were actually Jews who were saved and brought into Christ. So that would be Israel's people, quote unquote. Right. And they all migrate to Mount Zion from there. They, it's, it's a safe hold from the, yeah. The wrath of the planet. Well, let's not stay too weird about that. <laughs> so then we see the seal. He's told to put a seal on this. And uh, so we, we have reason to believe that Daniel's book was mostly sealed until the first and second century. And it was written in the sixth century. So again, about 400 years before uh, we think some of the first prophecies were fulfilled. And yeah. it could there could be a section of it still sealed that we don't know about that talks That's about cool. stuff that we haven't heard about. So uh, nobody, I don't know where that would be. You know, I, that'd, that'd be lost to time probably still. So, <laughs> make a guess. God, Just God make will, a guess. <laughs> God will bring it back if we need it. So, and he will unseal it. Yes. So then we see that many will go here and there reference is a, is pointing to Amos 8.12, which I'll just read here. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. And he was again talking about this, this scroll being sealed, so they couldn't find it even if they wanted to. So uh, they would be wandering around looking for the word of the Lord and there's a section on this that, you know, Daniel would produce and, and pass out and uh, it would eventually propagate. And that would be enough to keep people going throughout this. And then, of course, during the times of, of Antiochus is when part of this would be revealed and then people could, could see how, as we studied in the last chapter, how these events were going to unfold and what, what to continue doing. And as we've studied with revelation, it, it's ultimately just about how God's going to win in the end. You know, we know the, the, we know the outcome of everything, no matter what happens now, well, no matter what happens in the future, we know right. the ultimate outcome of everything. So it's this sort of thing that, that keeps believers going. Truly it does. Hmm. And then this this also could reference in the end times where it may be very hard to find God's word because there may be very few believers left, which we've talked about before. And I think we've kind of generally agreed that uh, it's going to Christianity is going to dwindle out in the end days. So as long as it's growing now, I don't think the end times are anytime soon. That's that's a good point. That's well. It was something we discussed. Was is the majority of the planet going to be saved? Is you know, is it just going to be the few stragglers that by this point in history, and you know, if, if they're establishing the the, um, the mark of the beast, and now speaking of economy and money, how all that's going to work? You know, a lot a lot of it's going to 
divide the public until it just starts continuously dividing and diminishes it to however many Christians are there. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's two views on the end times. Either we just keep going and then before the end days, everyone's a Christian. But in my reading of Revelation, it doesn't look like that. It looks like it's the other way. It looks if you like look out your window, it doesn't look like no that, one. does it? No. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, right. I mean, here in the West, we're declining. We've been in decline for a while. But, like, right. if you look at the world as a whole, Christianity is still growing. So, shall we continue at verse 5, then? Yes, we shall. Then I, Daniel... Looked, and there before me stood two others, one on this bank of the river and one on the opposite bank. One of them said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, How long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? The man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, lifted his right hand and his left hand toward the heaven, and I heard him swear by him who lives forever, saying, It will be for a time, times, and, and a half. Oh my gosh, I, I even know this saying. It will be for a time, times, and a half. <sighs> Hang on, I'm, I just messed that up again. Okay, repeating this. It will be for a time, times, and half a time. There we go. When the power of the holy people has finally been broken. All these things will be completed. I heard, but I do not understand. So I asked, my Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? You did good, Chris. I appreciate you trying out there. Uh, it's okay. You can mention it, Coach. You can edit it out in post. You can edit it out in post. <laughs> no, I, I take time to do that. <laughs> Oh, oh, do it's you? Joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, we, we do take. Well, today. except for today. Or, yeah. Anyways, we see this man in linen who's reminiscent of Jesus' resurrection form. And we also see him talk in ways that are reminiscent of our study in Revelation. Uh, and he, said, he talks about the times, time and half a time. And I even just botched it there, uh, which is see what I mean. Yeah, no, it's not easy. It will be for a time, but, times, and half a time. No, you you right. said it right. Okay, good. No, I said times, time, and half a time. Whoa, yeah. Who brought up the time subject here? <laughs> Things get weird. <laughs> Things get weird when it's you and me talking. Anyway, no, yeah, see. it does. <laughs> Back on track. Anyways. Uh, we, we, we've talked about that, that often referred to as the three and a half year period or part of the seven years at the end. And if you want more information on that, I'm pretty sure there's one titled talking about times, excuse me, time, times and half a time in our episode list. Uh, we'll probably go over it more in detail again one day, but it's talking about the end times, of course. And we see in verse six, uh, it's a reference back to Daniel eight thirteen, where it said, "Then I heard a holy one speaking. Another one said to him, 
how long will it take for the vision to be fulfilled and the vision concerning the daily sacrifice, the rebellion that causes desolation, the surrender of the sanctuary and the trampling underfoot of the Lord's people. And once again, here in Daniel, we are mentioning the desolation, the yes. idol that causes desolation. And uh, it seems to have been a, a very common thing that comes up throughout the study on Daniel. Uh, it's a recurring theme that, we we have gone over quite a few times in our study on Revelation, and that is talking about the object, the idol, whatever ends up being that is placed in the place where God should be at the end times, and it becomes a object of worship, whatever it is, whether it's a you know like a, a worldview or a empire or an actual object or a lifestyle or something like that, whatever it ends up being is placed in that position, that position of worship that all mankind should have God in first, not whatever idol it is that we choose to put in there. Right. Absolutely. So all this still fits nicely with the Antiochus, uh, being the fulfillment of this prophecy, except for a few key things that uh, would would seem to point towards something far greater, far more powerful than it, someone like Antiochus was, right? More like an Antichrist figure. But of course, Antiochus was an Antichrist figure, just like throughout history we've had many Antichrist-like figures. So that's true, yeah. and. It's like he's Captain Foreshadowing of all this, like all these, yeah. all of what was built up to occur in history and not on the magnitude of literally ending history as we know it and starting anew yeah. would be in the pattern that Antiochus acted. And there would be no way that this individual Antiochus, whichever one it was, second, third, fourth, 358th, um, that it would be in no way, shape, or form that he would have known about this because we did just talk about how a lot of his writings and the scrolls were sealed up for hundreds of years, centuries. Mm. Yeah. So we see this uh, man above the waters in the linen. Uh, in the Hebrew, again, this is talking about upstream or the source of the water. So this is referencing that, that man in the linen who we could, you know, kind of guess is probably Jesus is, uh, is the source of those waters, which we know God is the source of all living things. So in all creation in that matter. So, and then we see the one referred to God as the one who lives forever, which we've seen said once again in Daniel in other parts of the Bible and some places outside the Bible, which we'll mention uh, back in Daniel four thirty four, it said at the time at the, at the end of that time, I Nebuchadnezzar raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised most high. I honored the glorified him who lives forever. And that was the mad cow King episode, I believe where we talked about Nebuchadnezzar losing his mind and acting like a cow. I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah. yeah, right? But he mentions God as being him who lives forever. 
if we go all the way back to Genesis, in Genesis 21:33, Abraham planted a, a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the Eternal God, or for those of you who know what eternal means, he who lives forever. There may be another translation that also says uh, he who lives forever. Now, Mind going blown. outside the yeah, right. Now, going outside the Bible, we see. Uh, I'm not sure what book this is, but Sirach uh, is a, a book outside the Bible, which, as we've said before, doesn't need to be in the Bible to be important. It doesn't need to be in the Bible to be uh, something that we can look at and learn from. Uh, it just means it's not scripture. Anyways, in Sirach 18.1, it says, He that liveth forever created all things in general. Uh, and then there's a reference in First Enoch 5.1. Uh, I did, had trouble digging up what verse exactly that was because Enoch's not scripture, so it's not kept uh, in the same yeah. same numeral numeral thing. They try. Like there's several people who've done that, but there's no like official uh, translation that has the verse numbers, so it's really hard when someone's quoting a verse out of it. You have to go and read like the entire section to see it exactly where it was. And I already had done quite a few notes at this point, so I was not keen on digging all the way through First Enoch again just to find where it says he lives forever, because unlike the Bible where we have all these nice translations that there's you know easy to read and make a lot of sense in modern English. Uh, the translations on first Enoch are not, not the greatest. They're very much in that old English or oh. in a very broken English, just a rough translation form. So it makes it a lot harder to read because again, it's not scripture. So the resources have not been put into it that has gone into the Bible. And the last so. time it was scripture was in ye old English, yes. Uh, yeah, to certain sects. Now, if you go all the way back to the time of the you know, Torah before the New Testament was written, uh, Enoch was not taken as scripture back then even. It was taken as a kind of, it wasn't a work of fiction by any means, but it was taken as a kind of... Uh, I don't know. I don't know if we have this kind of literature, but it was literature that was written in the honor of Enoch by oh. supposedly people who were from his family who would know his story. So right. it wasn't taken as absolute truth. It was taken as kind of a, a, a legendary truth, I guess. So. Yeah. I mean, if you went to a temple or a church back then and, you know, they didn't have Reader's Digest, they had the book Enoch. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason why we don't accept Enoch as scripture today is because we don't have a copy that is close enough to the time that Enoch would have existed for Enoch to have been the, the author. So the, oh. the earliest copy is almost 500 years past the time Enoch went to be with the Lord in whatever that means. Uh, so that's why Enoch's not considered scripture. It's hard to confirm because it's active. It, it, if you read it, it sounds like Enoch himself is the one who's writing it. So we would have to find a, 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 
a chunk of this early enough to have been at the time when he was alive. So oh. the fact that our earliest representations are almost 500 years older or newer, I should say, than him, it's hard to uh, say that scripture. Anyways, continuing on in Daniel uh, 9.27, yes. where he's referencing back to Daniel 9.27, says he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to the sacrifice of the offering. And at the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end. That is decreed. It is poured out on him. And again, this is bringing it all back with time, times and half a time. We see he's bringing that with the abomination that causes desolation that destruction of the temple and all of this that happened part of it that happened during Antiochus's time where they set up this idol, which as you know, was Zeus Antiochus's time. Uh, this, this was the idol to Zeus that quote unquote was the idol of desolation. They then ended up ransacking the city for, several thousand days during the Maccabean revolts and all this sort of thing where uh, the powers that be were at, at war with the people of the city. And then at the end of that time, Antiochus just levels the temple because he feels like that is the, that is the, the location, the, the, uh, the center of all this disagreement of the Maccabean revolt. And, uh, then he decides that he's just going to get rid of it completely. So at the time, at the end of his reign, that was like one of the last things he does before he dies. And uh, this, that is where we can see that part of what Daniel's talking about is fulfilled. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. If you have nothing else to add, we can go on to verse nine. I was just really enthused and uh, very involved with everything you were saying there. All right. I Why appreciate we go ahead? it. Yeah, of course. All right. Verse nine. Or yeah, starting with verse nine until the end of the book. Okay. Sounds good. He replied, go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless, and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. From that time, the daily sacrifice is abolished, and the abomination that causes desolation is set up. There will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits and reaches for the end of the 1,335 days. As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. So, in typical God fashion, he kind of tells Daniel, I'm not going to answer your question. Um, and just kind of leaves it at that. You know, tells them you'll get what you deserve. Good job, and uh, thank you for doing all this. Uh, but I'm not going to answer your question. 
probably because Daniel didn't need to know about, you know, what that meant exactly. Because again, it could have meant it could have been. This is where the the two things reconverge. This could be Daniel is asking about the end times, not necessarily what God had sent this vision for. The reason I think that part of this fits so well with Antiochus is that it was being sent ahead to the people who would need to read it so that they could get through the time of Antiochus's reign. Whereas Daniel is more concerned with the end of the vision and what, what it, that ultimately means. And God's just like, well, don't worry about it, man. Uh, you don't need to know. And the people who read your book don't need to know. I mean, he, he told them to seal it up. So and as we talked, there might be a piece still sealed. Yes. The, the one place in which we do not know, but we can take good guesses at. <laughs> right. So it said many will be purified and made spotless and refined. Uh, in again, a good translation of this would be talking about purified or refined in uh, forging terms. So this would be uh, going through the fire to burn up the impurities, to uh, to bring the metal to a a more pure or refined state. So this is this is typical uh, as Christians will be put through the furnace, through the fire to come out on the other side better than we were even for the terrible things we have to go through. Yeah, that furnace though. Yeah, right. Uh, as we've seen in Daniel uh, what was it? Three? I think it was three. Well, As long as we're walking with God the furnace is not such a big deal. Nope. Maybe it was, for, it was Daniel 2. So we see the two views reconvene, and it very much sounds like it's talking about the end times at the very end there, where it's, where again, Daniel's asking, like, well, what does this all mean in the end? And Jesus, or I guess it's Jesus, but God's just like, yep, yeah, don't worry about it, man. Um, you're going to die and be in my presence and then at the end times you're going to receive your result reward and it's not something that you need to worry about now i've mentioned the maccabean revolt which is again uh i guess maccabees is more disputed on whether it's scripture but it's mostly only the catholics who think it's scripture it's part of the apocrypha but anyways if uh maccabees the book is to be believed then uh, the time from Antiochus being usurped to the time the temple is completely uh, destroyed yeah. is closer to to eleven hundred days, not the twelve hundred and ninety or even the the thirteen and thirty five. My guess is that if that rebellion did end in about one hundred and ten days, and that's when the temple was destroyed, it probably was another couple months before. Everyone heard about was, you know, yeah, that, and it would have been another couple of months before everything was completely settled down to the point where, uh, people weren't still, you know, it, it would have taken that long for all the healing process to take, you know, cause that's, that's another six months almost on top of the actual time it took for Antiochus and the Maccabean revolt to, to end up with 
the destruction of the temple. Sure. Seems about right with that timeline lining up there. Yeah. Yeah. So at the very end, we see the focus on resurrection rewards and we, we see God literally say, as for you, go your way till the end, you will rest. And in the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. And there, the rest is again, talking about Daniel will die someday. And then, and then after you're dead, the end days you'll receive your allotted inheritance. So we can see that again, this is another message to us as Christians. Keep on keeping on. Death isn't even the end. Uh, after we die, if we've been faithful to Jesus, we will be taken into heaven, into his presence. And then during the end times, we will reap the benefits of what we have done here. You know, what seed we've sown, what, what lives we've affected, what, people we've helped bring to Christ even in the smallest ways yeah. even in in the smallest nudges that we make whatever that is it'll be rewarded in heaven because everything's been paid already so anything that we can do to help others realize that their bill is already paid and that they just have to accept Jesus into their life Anything, even just being a good Christian person and loving on people and not necessarily, you know, saying, hey, do you know about Jesus? Uh, just loving on people and showing them God's love, that that alone is enough to help soften a lot of people to the message of Jesus. I agree. So, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and even the smallest things will not go unrewarded by a God. He knows everything. Very true. Well, you got anything else to add, or shall we wrap it up here and let everyone go a little early? We can let everyone go a little early, but I want to say one thing real quick, and that is recognizing... Yeah, thank you. That is recognizing signs in your life that God is affecting it either way, good, or he's putting you through a trial. It's good health, good behavior, and kind of smarter than the average Joe to be looking at certain things in life and being like, you know what? God is improving my life in this aspect. Or, wow, I see how God's really affected this individual. Recognizing that is a unique skill or asset that us as believers that we have. And I don't think that should go unnoticed. Agreed. Thank you for that. Little nugget of wisdom. Well, I would like to thank all the listeners for taking the time to stick with us and listen to our podcast. I really appreciate you guys. I uh, really encourage you to reach out if you have any suggestions for the show. I'm now going into this period where I'm going to figure out what the next show will be. Uh, maybe I should make a Facebook poll or something. Ha ha ha. Anyways. Right. If you have, yeah, if you have any suggestions, please do feel free to send them to us. Thank you for listening to the Revelation on Demand podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you catch podcasts from. Please, if you like what we're doing, share this with a friend, family member, or someone from your church. It's a completely private venture, and we receive no funding from any sources. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to contact us at revelationondemand at gmail.com. God bless and see you next time.